With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome into another edition of our Monday podcast here on Monday, December 11th. Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey here on the Wolverine YouTube channel, or if you're watching on the site, in the podcast feeds, we're everywhere. We are we are omnipresent wherever you get your audio and video content. Uh, a lot to get to today. Uh, obviously, been qu- things have been quiet with football. They had last week off and uh, get back into the swing of things this week, but we have some transfer portal things to discuss. Always something to discuss as it pertains to the matter of Michigan basketball. We'll get into the latest with all of that here shortly. Uh, but before we do that, and also at the end, as we always do, we will take your questions. So again, another week where we're not going live. Uh, like we have been at 6 p.m., but uh, mostly covering our bases there. Regardless, taking advantage of the downtime a bit. But Clayton, welcome back. Good to be back. I missed the last show that uh, we all did together. So good to be back in the saddle. And of course, uh, our Chris Ballas, uh, wishing him well as well. He's been dealing with an illness. He's finally on the up and up. But uh, good to be back, man. Yep. Good to be here. Um, we are not to have football over the weekend. First time in a while, so uh, that was kind of interesting, but we're just a few weeks away from New Year's Day, which will be a huge one, so I'm excited. Team's back at practice, so it should be, uh, should be good to kind of hear about uh, how they're preparing as they go forward with these three weeks, and then before you know it, we'll be out in California. Yeah, flights are booked. Uh, the, the plans are in motion, so excited to get out there. Haven't been uh, to LA before, so excited for all that. Of course, the sponsor of our Monday show is our pals over at Homefield Apparel. You guys have heard us talk about them for months at this point. They're a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis, the heart of Big Ten country. Was there last weekend. We'll be back there next weekend for a family engagement. Uh, Homefield has a commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They have a growing collection of over 150 plus colleges to choose from including Michigan. I mean, their Michigan collection, it seems like every time I go on that site, there's some other design or a cluster of designs, and they're all absolutely terrific. So uh, unique logos, mascots, iconic moments, they have it all covered. You know, it's it's authentic. It's, you know, 
officially licensed. It's it hits on that nostalgia. You know, we we love to remember some of those moments from the past. So again, I have a drawer full of this stuff. I know that uh, you know our guys at the Wolverine have a ton of their products as well. So uh, we love our pals over at Homefield Apparel. You can use the promo code Wolverine twenty three for fifteen percent off any customer's first order at homefieldapparel.com head on over to the website you know they have an app as well there's some uh you know discounts that they'll send over exclusive to people that use the app it's it's just tremendous and with christmas shopping and holiday shopping and all of that sort of uh you know it's it's a big time of the year for commerce so uh we would love for you to consider giving your hard-earned dollar to our pals over at homefield apparel use promo code wolverine 23 code is good for 15 percent off your first over order over at homefieldapparel.com. So shout out to the gang over there. All right, Clayton. Well, we will talk the on-court product of Michigan basketball. Huge win on Sunday. One that really, quite frankly, they needed to have. It was a must win. A lot of them are moving forward. But as has been the case uh, at times through ju- throughout Juwan Howard's tenure, Michigan is in the headlines for something that did not happen uh, in competition. And that is, you know, there were rumors and reports on Sunday night of you know, a confrontation between he and John Sanderson. Well, originally, it was thought to believe that have gotten physical. Um, since then, seems like people have backed off of that. But uh, I'll just read it from Brendan Quinn of The Athletic here. Uh, you know, with all the rumors and stuff going on, uh, he writes, according to a university official with direct knowledge of the matter, Howard's status as Michigan's head coach, uh, Michigan's head basketball coach is unchanged. A confrontation between Howard and longtime U of M strength and conditioning coach John Sanderson in a team practice late last week is being explored and is going through a university review process. It is university procedure for such review to be conducted outside of the athletic department. Multiple sources say claims of punches being thrown in the aforementioned altercation are inaccurate. Sanderson did not travel to Iowa with the team for Michigan's game at Iowa on Sunday. He did not return a call for comment, according to a university source. Sanderson remains part of the program. It's worth noting as well, uh, Dewan Howard remains under a zero tolerance policy instituted by U of M after striking a Wisconsin assistant coach in February of 2022. Listen, I mean, this is, uh, first of all, you have to be careful about what you say about it because it is something that's being investigated. But at the same time, this this Jawan Howard situation has been so odd to me. You see it in the way that he's been sitting on the bench. You know, he's he's back, but he's not really back. He's an assistant, but it's still his program. Thing, the vibes have kind of been weird all year, even before this. And the fact that now we are heading into, you know, the team is five and five. They haven't really played super consistent. I mean, they, they are what their record says they are. And they're already up against it in terms of NCAA tournament bubble, but this is just another chapter in the Jawan Howard saga that has been one of the weirdest that I can ever remember uh, something within Michigan athletics. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's separate from, I think it's kind of its own thing. I, I would, I would label yeah. it as um, and it's certainly not a great situation. I mean, to have any sort of altercation that has to go to a university review or actually a third party to review it for the university, obviously, is not ideal. And especially when it comes to your head coach and a beloved member of the staff, John Sanderson, who's been a key, a key part of this thing since I think 2009 when he was hired here. And obviously those who follow the program and really those outside of the program too, 
um, that follow college basketball understand how big of a piece John Sanderson has been to all of this. So, I mean, the fact that there was an altercation is not good. And the fact that there's debate whether or not it got physical or not is is even worse, obviously. Um, and it sounds like it happened at practice, too, in front of the players. I will say, first and foremost, I mean, hats off to the players for what they did going in and and blocking out the noise as, uh, you know, to use a term we've used a decent amount lately with things going on on the football side. But to block out the noise and, and to just kind of focus on the task at hand and go get a double-digit road victory in the Big Ten, you have to congratulate them for that. But uh, I, I did think it was it was odd, like, I mean, obviously, it's just a weird situation, unprecedented that Jawan Howard's kind of, you know, slowly coming back from the heart surgery. Obviously, it's just one of those things that's unfortunate in general, uh, but but very fortunate that they were able to catch it and that it seems like he'll be able to make a full recovery. Uh, but then you do watch the body language yesterday. I thought it was he was definitely a lot less involved. Um, now, that could have had to do with a number of things, obviously. Um but I, I, you know, you see the Saudi Washington thing at the end of the game where he kind of rolled his eyes at Phil Martelli after suggesting that they get the starters back in. Could be unconnected, but also it just kind of feels like there is some tension there um, and not necessarily even saying with Saudi Washington, but just there's like a little bit of disconnect at the very least. John Sanderson sounds like he voluntarily decided not to make make the trip to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do wonder, too, if he makes every single trip because I know he's in charge of some other sports, too, with strength and conditioning. Um, but as of now, like I'm not willing to, to judge or, or take one side or the other or even know if there are sides. I mean, maybe things have been resolved to a certain extent. Um, don't know. So kind of want to see the facts play out before before, um, you know, I make some sort of broad judgment. But uh, really the the overall judgment that I can make at this point, I'm sure you agree with AB, and I know we've talked about this, is that it's just not great to happen. Uh, not great to have something like this happen, you know, at, at any point during a season, but, uh, you know, especially when they were going into a big game and, and all the focus should have been on the floor. Yeah, and, and it does, it's kind of crazy that all of this sort of blew, you know, blew up and came to light after a win that was, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about here here a little more in depth in a little bit, but it was impressive. And it was it was cool to see them respond that way uh, because, again, that Indiana game was a game that they let slip away. And, you know, they kind of, for most, you know, for most of the night, kind of kind of took it to Iowa. But the, the fact is that, again, absent of any in any more information that we currently have available, again, it's to me, it just points to. You know, it's another feather in the cap of some sort of drama occurring within Michigan athletics. And again, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to use this as a platform to say, oh, gosh, well, clearly there's there's a disconnect there. This is a Ward Manual hire. Uh, You need to fire Ward Manual and start, you know, there's that's a conversation we can get to, you know, another day or if there's something that kind of comes out where he should even be involved in that conversation. But, um, you know, absent of of more information, it's, it's tough to. It, it was kind of interesting to see people. So many people get got on social media by Jom J O M Rothstein saying that uh, Jawan Howard was going to step down and just be an assistant for the rest of the year. I think that lent itself to a lot of confusion. Obviously, given Jawan's past, uh, the fact that uh, it was it was even suggested out there that well maybe they came to blows or there were punches thrown like. It's not like that was a huge jump to a conclusion, given that what we've seen in the past. So it's just kind of um, what has been a very weird vibe with the whole. And again, 
first and foremost, I mean, you just want, you know, we continue to wish Joan well and his recovery from heart surgery. And, you know, that's scary. I mean, if he goes in a day or two later to the doctor, who, who knows what his future, you know, as a human being, let alone a basketball coach even looks like, but um, it's just been a weird vibe since he kind of came back to the bench. You were, you know, we'd heard that he was working his way back in. It, it seemed like there's been some discomfort there and, 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 just putting the tea leaves together tension sort of boiled over last week in practice. So we'll see what comes to that. I thought it was important to address. I mean, I don't think we can make any judgments or pass any, or, or, you know, jump to conclusions about what the future might hold uh, Is John, you know, Juwan Howard in trouble is, is John Sanderson. Maybe, uh, you know, is that relationship frayed? Um, there's a lot of layers to it, but at the end of the day, it, you know, f- as long as it's being, I would just say this, if it did become physical, I, I have a hard time believing that we're here today with both of those guys still employed and, you know, given everything that we know. I mean, Jawan has the zero tolerance policy in his, uh, you know, I don't know if it's in his contract, but that's the understanding of it. So, again, without more information, it's really tough to go on more than that. But, again, it's just another exhausting, I'll, I'll hesitate, stop short of saying self-inflicted wound but man oh man it's just another it's just another thing and there have been a lot of things with michigan basketball and there have been a lot of things in the athletic department the last few years and it's uh michigan's back in the news again for something that doesn't pertain to the field of competition yeah i mean wisconsin incident was a couple years ago with the year before that he got ejected from the maryland game i mean really it's been it hasn't been you know i think i i don't know i i just don't feel like things like this have really happened. I mean, something within your own program too, a conflict, I think is kind of at a different level. And in, in my opinion, at least like we can go back and talk about the Wisconsin thing, how, you know, seemed like there, he was at least sticking up for, you know, two players that were, that were, um, you know, kind of hit by Joe Krabenhoff, that sort of thing. This feels different to me at a different level. And we don't know all the details, obviously, as we said, I will say, I mean, they have, they have almost a week off between yesterday's game and Saturday. You would hope that whatever process they're going through right now, in terms of the review, gets completed pretty swiftly here and they can kind of figure out what the next step is with, with this situation uh, before Saturday, that would be the hope from my standpoint. Um, But, you know, kids finishing up the semester, that sort of thing. And uh, you know, you got Eastern Michigan on, on Saturday, I would assume by that game's tip off, we at least learn what the story was here because I mean, really it's a, it's an incident at practice. It probably lasted what five minutes at the very most. Um, you know, you got to be able to get to the bottom of that pretty quickly. Uh, and then you you move on and you figure out what you have to do, whether that's some sort of disciplinary action for somebody um, or not, then you got to move forward. And, you know, clearly, I think th- this team, it's different when it maybe has longer ramifications. But, you know, the fact that they were able to win under those circumstances uh, Sunday, I thought was a positive when you look at it from the player standpoint. Well, let's talk about that win for a bit here. Again, uh, lost in the shuffle is that, that was that was I won't I won't say surprising. I think we've known that that's maybe been something that's in there uh, for Michigan basketball. But you know, sitting at four and five coming in that game in a game where I'm not sure. I mean, you did the preview. I'm not sure what Kempom's preview was. I know team rankings had them at like 28 percent chance to win that game. Um, that was a big one for them and one they had to get. Uh, you know, he had to find a way to split those first two Big Ten games and you know the margin of error when it comes to their NCAA tournament. And again, it's, it's December 11th, right? Like so much, 
there's so much basketball still to play. There are games on the schedule. You know, you're going to have this Florida game coming up. You're going to have all of these, you know, almost every night out in the Big Ten is an opportunity to add to your resume. But, you know, you're sitting at five and five. You go to Iowa, which has been a really tough place for this team uh, to play over the years. And, uh, you know, a friend, the Caffrey team, you're going to get into an offensive shootout with them. And, uh, you know, I thought the defense for the most part was pretty good in that first half. But uh, you were going to get a counter punch from Iowa. And I liked what I saw from those guys. Terrace Reed had his best game, the best game of his career statistically. Um, you know, it's not often you see all of your starters in double digits. Obviously, Will Cheddar at double digits as well. Uh, just a really solid all-around win for them, for a team that needs to keep stacking as many of them as they can because coming into yesterday's game, they had lost five of their last six games. So uh, your thoughts on the win, Clayton? Yeah, and as Phil Martelli said afterwards, if uh, Trey Jackson could have kept his mouth shut and not got teed up, they would have left him in, and he probably would have been the seventh guy in double figures. And really, let's start there. I mean, it was a seven-man rotation in this game, and you know the two guys coming off the bench are basically – Power forwards, Trey Jackson and Will Cheddar. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn not available. Michigan able to do that with two guards in an up-and-down type of game against a team that likes to run and score like Iowa was pretty impressive. You know, Anthony, I watch these offensive possessions, and half the time I'm like, what in the world are they doing? (laughs) But then you look, and they scored, what, 1.2 points per possession? They did that only five times last year. I think they're up to like seven times this season. Don't have it pulled up on Ken Palm right now, but um, and I know Iowa doesn't play any defense, but the way this team is able to score, you know, regardless of circumstance, it seems like uh, obviously has been pretty pretty impressive. I also will say, I mean, I don't think Iowa played very well. I don't think Iowa was very good, and I thought it felt like that building was as lifeless as I have heard it. You know, just from watching on the television broadcast. So that was a good opportunity for Michigan to pick up a road win. The defense was better. They definitely got back in transition better than they have uh, coming in. That was a huge focus. As Phil Martelli said, it was really the number one key to them winning. Iowa had, I think, 17 transition points. Uh, They averaged 23.7 per game, even coming out of this game. So uh, well under their average there. And that was kind of the difference. I mean, Michigan was up more and if they wouldn't have had the reserves in, but that was the difference between this one being kind of close, like some of the others, and it being pretty much a blowout, you know, 20 point margin uh, at a certain point. But I thought, Michigan contested more shots. It's been another big focus of theirs. At the same time, Iowa missed a decent amount of open looks, two of 16 from three outside of the last minute. And then you have the stat that they were 16 of 41 on non-layups or dunks. So, you know, this was an Iowa team that has not shot it super well lately and continued that trend. I was a little worried from a Michigan standpoint coming off of they get blown out by Purdue, then they got blown out Thursday night by Iowa state. And I was thinking, okay, this is the spot where Iowa comes back and like, you know, scores 96 on a team with like 11 made threes or something like that. And it didn't happen. So you got to credit Michigan for what it did defensively. Um, And they got the contributions as we talked about with, you know, from a bunch of different guys with a pretty balanced scoring attack. Yeah. I think the most important thing in general was just finding a way to get a win on the road. Uh, Was that, that was their second true road game of the year, or I guess technically third if you count St. John's, right? Um, but it was important for this team after what we've seen the last couple of weeks to to go out there and beat, I mean, I'll call them a quality opponent. We'll see 
what the rest of the recent uh, the rest of the season uh, holds for them. But uh, you look at this stretch coming up for them. Eastern Michigan got to obviously grab that one at home. Would love to grab that uh, that Jumpman game in Charlotte against Florida. You got McNeese to close out non conference play, and then you start out. You know, you're the New Year's the post New Year's Day slate of Big Ten games uh, against Minnesota, against Penn State. Those are projected to be, I believe, the two worst teams in the Big Ten coming to this year. They're both at home. You, to me, and you don't want to get into the game of, oh, well, this is a must win or this early in the year, but kind of feels like if this team is going to bring itself back, so to speak, that at minimum, at a minimum, these next five, you're looking at four and one. And if you go five and oh, I mean, you're feeling great about it, but that's what needs to happen moving forward because you know, there's already just not a ton of, you know, you look at back on this non-conference slate, and I know the two Big Ten games are in there too, but there's just not a whole lot, really not anything uh, to hang your hat on there. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the fact that it's going to get a lot tougher starting in mid-January, then you have a really tough February to early March stretch. I mean, the the way the schedule plays out to at least start the Big Ten schedule when it starts back up in January is pretty ideal, but you have to get those Minnesota Penn State at the Palestra, and then Maryland's terrible too. You got to go there, but um, you know Maryland has been really, really bad under Kevin Willard this year. So I think that's an opportunity as well. Um, and you're already one and one. I mean, that's why the Iowa game was so big because, as as Phil Martelli said coming in, you you know road games are so important in the Big Ten when you, when you talk about competing for the league. But that's assuming you win the majority of your home games. And Michigan wasn't able to hold serve against Indiana, so that's what made this one so big so now you have kind of a week off you got to figure out whatever the hell's going on off the court um or you know whatever happened potentially on the court but you know what i mean uh and then you know that florida game is going to be big but you know florida's been playing pretty good it seems like so i think that's that's going to be a challenge but yeah you need to start off i think don't lose one of these clunkers like they do every time it seems like you know michigan's about to play a bowl game uh, on the football side and then you know, you CMU last year, obviously being the you know the big one there, and then start off the new year uh, with with the with the strong start. But um, yeah, it's you know that was a huge win yesterday. Otherwise, you're four and six, and you know things are looking even more bleak. But at some point, because you lost a couple games you shouldn't have, now you got to win a couple games you shouldn't. And you know they're not gonna that's not gonna be the case on Saturday against Eastern Michigan, but they got an opportunity to do that with some of the games coming up in the next several weeks. I forgot the Penn State game was at the Palestra. That's my bad. That's, I mean, that's the biggest game of the year. That's the Phil Martelli homecoming game, right? We, we've been waiting for him to have a game there for a long time. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, a lot of work to do here still. Uh, Sunday was encouraging, and then it became weird later in the evening. So we'll see what happens of all of it, uh, what comes of all of it, I should say. But any other thoughts on hoops as we move into the second half of our show here? They, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn status, not obviously not good that he was, you know, unavailable. It seemed like they said on the TV broadcast that he maybe tweaked something or, you know, maybe he just didn't respond well from, from a couple of weeks of, of being on here. Um, so, you know, you hope he can get back soon because Martelli was saying the other day, like they want to ramp up how many minutes he's playing. He was playing about, you know, seven or eight in those first couple games back, but they need more guard depth. Obviously uh, you can't just play with, Doug McDaniel, Namari Burnett, and like five power forwards slash centers. Um, I mean, there have been some lineups. I mean, we've all seen them. Doug McDaniel and four bigs, 
Namari Burnett yesterday for a stretch in four bigs, which is even tougher. Um, but you know, you got to be able to have some guys you can rely on to, you know, dribble the basketball when you're trying to bring it up. I, I would press the hell out of Michigan if I was an opponent right now, uh, because <laughs> Doug's playing 36.3 minutes a game. Namari's playing a ton of minutes as well. You know, Terrence Williams is playing the two at times. So they got to figure that out. I think they have the opportunity to do that over the next few weeks, get Jalen Lowell and healthy, continue to develop George Washington, the third and potentially you, Yusef Kayad as well. But, um, that would be kind of my thought. If you look at the to-do list, if you're Michigan basketball from an on-court standpoint, you got to have some more ball handlers. We have seen those lineups. In fact, uh, for me, it will be tough to unsee some of those lineups. And I think the key word there uh, that you said too, Clayton, is development. I know that you know you. There's so much on the line this year in terms of what the future might hold. There's so much in terms of getting back to the NCAA tournament, but just develop. You know, I want to see you know, the, the nuts and bolts of a functioning basketball team that can play the way they did, you know, you know, play the way they have when they've won some games, you know, consistently, I would love to see some consistency, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I have nothing else to say on Michigan basketball. I'm actually, this might be the most we've talked about them combined since football season, uh, since they started crossing over with football season. So, that is your Michigan basketball update. As we move into the second half of our show here, I want to talk to you guys also about our pals over at Factor. Uh, this holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. We obviously have a lot of those as we're at the tail end of a magazine week here. Uh, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you feel fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Shep. Uh, prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling your holiday to-do list. So are you too busy with your holiday plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, you're going to be able to skip that extra stre- uh, extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, preparing, and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. So skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. You have over 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, never fr- fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. So when you're too busy, you've got a lot going on this time of year. If you're looking for a calorie-conscious option over the holidays that also tastes great, there's plenty of calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. So head on over to factormeals.com slash Wolverine50 and use that promo code Wolverine50 to get 50% off. That's Wolverine50 over at factormeals.com slash Wolverine50 to get 50% off. I know, Clayton, both you and I had a meal uh, kit sent to us a couple year, a couple weeks ago. Uh, with several, I mean, everything I had from that, including, you know, they threw some smoothies in there. Everything in there was tremendous. So, um, yeah, check out our friends at factormeals.com slash Wolverine 50 and use Wolverine 50 to get 50, 50% off your meals. It's so good. All right. Let's, it's so good. It was it so good. Two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes. And we're always on the go. We need to, uh, you know, you got you to gotta substitute that gas station burrito for something else every once in a while. So. Um, anywho, uh, Clayton, Michigan football back on the practice field this week. Last week was off, uh, you know, guys getting a little bit healthy. You're coming off the big 10 championship. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe some guys went home. I think uh, finals are coming up here. But this week, it's back to business. But for the Michigan coaching staff, it has been uh, a different kind of business they've been tending to while they prepare for Alabama. Uh, Michigan also active in the transfer portal. Did lose uh, a guy on Monday, the first one, which is kind of surprising, in C.J. Stokes, the sophomore running back. Uh, kind of looks like it just kind of became a numbers game there. Maybe we just start with him first. Uh, Clayton, your thoughts on the C.J. Stokes transfer. Given what we'd seen from him, I thought maybe he'd be a guy that could duke it out for running back two, running back three next year. But uh, clearly it's he's kind of coming into a loaded room. Yeah, and that's why I wasn't all that surprised just because it felt like he got buried this year. Um, you know, like I was reading the quote because I was looking at it right in the article, but, you know, Mike Hart, I think after week one was like, hey, we got a whole bunch of guys that could be our number three running back. But Kalel Mullings clearly earned that role, you know, never gave it up as the year went on. And and really, they stayed healthy, which was a positive and didn't have to use Kalel Mullings all that much. But you had Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. Now you look at Mullings probably coming back for his fifth year. Benjamin Hall seemed like he might have been running fourth. Um, you know, Cole Cabana is a guy that has a lot of promise, highly touted kid that didn't get his opportunity this year, but should in the future. You bring in Jordan Marshall, Mr. Ohio, four-star top 100 kid out of, uh, you know, out of Cincinnati area. I mean, it just felt like, like you said, numbers game is a good way to put it. Um, and, you know, I mean, that I always say this, but there's some sort of, number whatever it is given the situation but there you know a certain amount of attrition is healthy for a program you need those spots to open up for some of the guys that we're going to talk about here in a second and you know it just felt like this was kind of that situation but wish cj stokes the best he had a classy exit with his social media post he put his highlights up on youtube so he's ready to roll and i think someone's going to get a guy that that could be a pretty good back down the road he's a good player but when you have this type of program, you're going to lose good players and you're going to bring in good players. Like, like it's just, it's just kind of how it goes. Uh, I assume with practice revving up this week, probably going to see some other guys. Again, we don't speculate, speculate on names. That's not fair to them, uh, but we'll see. There are guys that, you know, if, if you thought highly of before and didn't see them play a ton this year, I think, uh, you know, even in this era, uh, anyone could enter the transfer portal. So uh, we'll see about Michigan guys that, potentially exit this week. I would assume that this would be the week that starts trickling out as they start to put together that travel roster for the Rose Bowl. But, you know, you go back and you kind of, uh, I know you guys discussed Dante Moore and some of the other portal pursuits in that show on Thursday, but right now it seems like you know, you're not seeing a plethora of offers go out there. We know they've been in contact with Dante Moore. We know uh, Donovan McCauley, the wide receiver, a uh, former quarterback from Indiana, has been in the mix. Joey Slackman, the Penn defensive lineman, uh, Up, Upton Stout, I believe, is visiting uh, here soon. Michigan had uh, Jay Sean Barham, the linebacker from Maryland, who uh, some people might remember that was the guy that picked off J.J. McCarthy in the end zone of that Maryland game. He was in town on Monday for a visit. So we're starting to see, you know, at least a hot board take place. And you know, we could go through each guy and and do all that stuff, but I'm curious, Clayton, when you look at all of these guys that are on the board right now, and there will be more names that emerge too, but who's that guy that you're saying, you know, of everyone that's out there, this, you know, X player is the guy that would maybe have the biggest impact or the most important target as of right now? That's a good question. I mean, for me, it's, you got to start at quarterback. Um, 
but I, I do feel like Michigan's in kind of a weird situation with not knowing what JJ McCarthy is going to do. And you, uh, I said this on Thursday, you would not trade that situation either. I mean, the fact that you have a chance to get him back and the fact that you're in the college football playoff, meaning your season is extended and, you know, he's going to be playing potentially a week into January is an overwhelming positive. Uh, but Dante Moore, obviously a guy that stands out that I think you would love to land. Clearly, it seems like Oregon is still in the mix there, even though they landed Dylan Gabriel from uh, Oklahoma, which is a big, big land for them. But what that tells me, the fact that Dante and he's likely to visit sounds like Oregon this coming weekend, according to Chad Simmons from, of on three. I mean, that tells me that he is serious about the, the word we keep hearing with him, which is, you know, he's focused on development. You know, he went somewhere where he could play right away last year. Now he wants to, you know, I'm sure he'd love to play, but at least get developed and understands that this is kind of a long game. And I think he understands that teams like Oregon, teams like Michigan, you can win at and be developed, turn into a pro, uh, you know, could be a really good situation for him. So I, I guess I would start to him with him. But, you know, I mean, there, there are guys out there and Upton Stout is on campus as we speak uh, as well. So, I mean, you have um, some guys visiting a year ago at this time. They had a couple commits from transfer guys. This year feels like it's a little bit slower, but maybe that's just kind of how it's developed based on uh, you know some of the needs they have. But I mean, Jayshon Barham. Uh, it seems like every time a linebacker makes a play against Michigan, they, Michigan just goes and gets him in the transfer portal, like Ernest Hausman <laughs> last year with his his sack on JJ at the Big House uh, last November. So I think that would be a good one. Um, you know, linebackers a position. If Junior Colson, who just won the Lot Impact Trophy, if he departs, you're gonna you know have a bit of a need there. Um, but you know, a nickel, I think with Upton Stout, the Western Kentucky corner is also something that you could, you know, you definitely feel like you, you have a need there as well. Um, they're already thin at corner nickel as it is. So that would be a big land. And it sounds like there's, there's quite a bit of buzz with that one too. Yeah. In terms, and I think we may even have a question about it later, but in terms of numbers, it doesn't feel like this is a year where they're going to get you know, last year it wound up being nine guys, right? I don't think that – I think maybe we're looking at four or five. Uh, again, that's it's premature for me to even speculate on that because we don't know – we don't know what needs they'll truly need to fill uh, depending on who go you know comes out in the draft and things like that. But uh, to me, I do look at Donovan McCulley as someone that uh, interests me. I mean, he's 6'5", 200 pounds. We saw him play well this year. Uh, he actually had that touchdown pass in the game against Michigan, Indiana's only touchdown. but. Um, you know, he led Indiana in catches. He had 48, he had 644 yards. He had six touchdowns. And, you know, when you're going to lose Cornelius Johnson and I, I think I'm leaning towards them losing Roman Wilson, but then again, JJ McCarthy comes back. Maybe he's a one more year fund guy, but regardless, I think that what Michigan lacks heading into next season is a, is a proven big bodied receiver that you can kind of, you know, throw the ball up to and have him go get it. And to a certain extent, Cornelius Johnson has been that, but uh, I think that maybe McCauley, you know, at Michigan might be even a little bit better at those contested catch situations, given his frame, given his production. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Again, um, it, it's just it's going to be anytime you have a shot to land a guy, even just the second time around, and Dante Moore, a five-star guy that was from your backyard, you thought you had a good chance with him, but then obviously. He winds up going out west and, um, you know, pursuing another opportunity. I'm still skeptical. Like I'm still skeptical that he'd be going some. He'd be willing to go somewhere and sit for a year. But then again, 
Oregon's been in the mix. I think Michigan will stay in the mix. I know we've heard some buzz about Ohio State as well, um, but we'll see. I don't really – I'd like to see this board expand a little bit because I don't know that any of the guys currently on the board – I'll just put it this way. If I had to power rank them, I think McCulley would probably be at the top of my list in terms of what it means for 2024's impact. But we'll see what happens, man. Um I don't know. Any other thoughts on, I know I saw that Trevor uh, ETN was in the portal over the weekend. It seems like that quickly was trending towards elsewhere, but I know that's a guy that's been mentioned with Michigan as well. Uh, Any thoughts on any other guys that are out there? Yeah. It seemed like it was like the worst kept secret in college football that he was going in the portal. I know our Chris Ballas mentioned him a couple weeks or maybe a week or so before he entered the portal. And then as soon as he entered, I mean, there was buzz when you read, you know, reports from Georgia sites and, Alabama people are asking about him and it seems like everyone kind of knew he was going in which makes me feel like he was putting feelers out there to a lot of the big time programs so it seems like Georgia has generated quite a bit of buzz there early which is is crazy like in the Big Ten you wouldn't necessarily see a rival to rival transfer I mean rarely and I'm sure we will see it you know as we go forward here in this kind of new era of college football but the SEC it's like it's just a no-brainer if you, you go from Florida to Georgia you can do it and, and run behind that offensive line, that that offense, and, and win a bunch of games there. So, yeah, uh, feels like that might be the likely spot. But, again, don't know at this point. But, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how their strategy evolves and how they kind of balance all of it now that they're, you know, full go, full steam ahead here as they prepare for the, the playoff. Yep, it is full speed ahead for Michigan in the transfer portal, and it's full speed ahead for us. Heading to the final segment of our show where we will take questions. Uh, Obviously, when we don't go live, we just go to the Wolverines message board, the fort, and talk to our friends over there. So Clayton is going to pour open the bag of questions, and we will go from there. So what do you got, Clayton? We got one from C. Mitty, who says, which banged up players do you expect to benefit the most from the rest week? With that, are you comfortable sharing? Were there any players who were working through something that we as fans weren't even aware of? Probably uh, almost every guy when you play 13 games in a row, you know, was dealing with something or didn't feel quite right. Um, But, you know, obviously big for Will Johnson. He'll be just fine. Um, You know, I think J.J. McCarthy probably not as healthy even as as people might have thought in that Iowa game as well. So I think the week off was probably pretty big for him. And then the offensive line being able to have, you know, these maybe not the rest week, but it's these next three weeks that might be the most important for them because you got a whole new right side, you know, essentially. Carson Barnhart's at a new position. Trente Jones is coming in. And now Drake Nugent's playing next to a guy in Carson Barnhart who he didn't play next to all year. He played next to uh, Zach Zinter. So I think these next three weeks might be most important for the center and the two guys on the right side of the offensive line. But I think everyone... And, uh, you know, Will Johnson, maybe the most and, and JJ uh, will have benefited from that week off to, you know, not only mentally, but, but physically. Yeah. You hit all the names I would have picked. Um, I'm trying to think if anyone else was, was banged up. I mean, I mean, Drake, no, knew, no, you know, yeah, no known injuries, but I would have to say that I think Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards probably would benefit from that. Just given, especially Blake Corum, a guy who, again, some people would say that he has didn't quite look his normal self this year, maybe lost a step. I didn't see that. I actually thought uh, through the stretch run, we started to see him look more and more like his regular self, but just didn't have the volume of carries that he did 
Uh, but anytime you can get those guys fresh and healthy, because I mean, regardless of what you feel of how either guy looked this year, um, having that, having them both at optimum, again, an optimum is a relative term on December 11th, when you've played a whole season and you've got a postseason coming up, but having those guys fresh, I think is, is a big deal heading into this game against Alabama, where I think Michigan's going to have to be able to run the ball to win the game. So, uh, those would be my guys. I like it. Uh, Cincinnati Wolverine says, is Rick Minter on the sideline or in the press box during the games? How have the linebackers taken to him as a position coach? I, I think he's been on the field, but I'm not exactly sure. I know CP was on the field, I believe, right? Unless he was – am I am I wrong about that? No, I think, I think he was on the field. Um, I'm trying to think. I saw – you know, if you get up and go to get – a drink or something in the press box at the right time, just before halftime, you'll see all those coaches sprint through the box and to get to the elevator. And I don't recall seeing Rick Minter in either of the last three games that he would have coached for. So um, I think he's on the field. That's the long and short of that. Mm -hmm. So, and then, um, and it sounds like too, Latroy Lewis, a graduate assistant who was already working with the linebackers has taken on, a bigger role as well. So a lot of guys have mentioned him. A lot of them, have, uh, Mike Barrett specifically mentioning Rick Minter, how he kind of just drops these, these nuggets of, of wisdom. So I think they've, they've taken to him. I mean, he obviously has the chemistry with Jesse Minter. So you have the great relationship there. I think you bring in a guy with that much experience. All these guys are going to trust him. Doesn't mean CP wasn't a big loss, but feels like they've, they've taken well to him and Latroy Lewis and those guys were involved behind the scenes too beforehand. So it's not like it was something completely new, you know, throughout the, or at the end of the year here. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a substitute teacher situation where like you are bringing in people that have never been with this position group before. I mean, you lost, you, they lost their most prominent voice, obviously, but uh, Rick Minter, Latroy Lewis, those guys have been around. So. Pontificate says, uh, who do you expect to hear about turning heads during CFP practices? It can't be anyone from the first string O or D. If you really want to make it tougher, you can't name anyone on the two deep. That is very challenging. I also do find it funny every year when it's like, oh, this guy's he's really turning heads or whatever, and he may play in the bowl game, and then you don't see him. It's been different the last few years just because – I mean, they're in the playoff. You're not going to just go with somebody new. Like someone was even asking, should they go with Giovanni Alhadi and at left guard, maybe mix things up on the O-line? It's like, this is not the time for experimentation. You go with the guys you can trust, the guys who are proven, the guys that you, you know, tap to step up when Zach Zinter went down on the offensive line, for example. You chose them for a reason. Like that's what the coaching staff's going to stick with more than likely. Um you got any names that that come to mind? Guys outside of the two deep. That's kind of a tough one. I would say maybe some of the wideouts like a Carmelo English uh, or Fred Moore, and you could see maybe guys on the O line. I mean, I know Andrew Gentry's in the two deep, but someone like him, as as people start to pay more attention to and be willing to talk about those guys that could be in bigger roles next year. I feel like a guy like Ben Hall or Cole Cabana. Like you could, those seem like candidates. Uh, Fred Moore was a name that popped in my head. Zach Marshall at tight end has, is a Jim Harbaugh favorite. And, you know, he likes to use that term man growth. He has another, you know, he's a younger guy. So he has another year of man growth ahead of him. Um, maybe he's a guy, but um, to go back to your original point, uh, you know, about the offensive line, I don't see them shuffling it, but at the same time, I think they did what they had to do at the end of the season to 
just figure it out, get through it the best they could and get to, you know, get through the, the regular season undefeated, get to the big 10 championship game, and then get these few weeks to rest. Cause when you have, when you have something as disruptive as a Zach Zinter injury, in a lot of ways, you kind of hit the reset button. So if they were to say going into bowl practices that, listen, we everything is up for grabs, the same it was in fall camp, the same it was throughout the year, and kind of reopen some of those competitions. Like you're looking for your best five right now. And I think I think they thought they have it in the guys that we did see after this inter-injury, see start that Big Ten championship game. But, you know, if, if it comes down to – Giovanni El Hadi looking better at guard than Carson Barnhart does, or, or you know, so and so looking better at right tackle. Like they still, I still think they should be fine. You know, striving to find their best five going to this Alabama game because that front, I think, is going to give them a lot of issues, especially at both tackle spots. Counterpoint to that though is you got to get these guys. It is a new group. Like you got to get them as many reps as possible, and right, you know, reopening. I mean, yeah. Gio's always. No, I mean, I, I don't know if he's taking a snap on the right side in his entire career, too. Yeah, you you've got to strike that balance between making it clear that competition is still open, while saying, "Listen, like we don't have time to f around in terms of getting these guys reps and chemistry." So, uh, but they have one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, and they have time, which I think is the biggest uh, asset they have in their in their favor. Anti Daily is wondering about the. One more year fund. Who are we trying to bring back, bring back for another year with NIL money, if anyone? It's funny. We're there's still like a couple classes here that have the um, COVID year of eligibility. So like some guys like Roman Wilson could come back. Um, clearly, you start there. Then you you know you, you talk about some of the fifth years like a uh, you know a Trent a. Jones or a Carson Barnhart. Miles Hinton's a fourth year guy. You would look at kind of like a Roman Wilson. And then you got the third-year guys, Rod Moore, Junior Colson. I think – and there are others, obviously, Braden McGregor, Jalen Harrell. To me, though, like the money they're not – they're going to be making with that one-more-year fund isn't going to be life-changing, but it's more of a, hey, if you have a little bit of doubt here on what you want to do, the safe play might be to come back and you know you'll be taken care of at least to an extent. And I think that was a, a nice cushion for those guys like Trevor Keegan and Zach Sinter and even Blake Corum. Uh, you know – to have knowing that they could come back and not have to sacrifice any money at all. Cause before it's like you either make $0 or you could make a million dollars, you know, and that's, that's a pretty big difference. This closes that gap yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. I think the guys obviously like, regardless, I would have to think Michigan has, or I won't say Michigan, Michigan people on Michigan's behalf probably have the money earmarked for JJ McCarthy or insert starting quarterback here. I'd have to think that that's something that's, I mean, I think that's priority number one, and I think it has been already. Um, this might be controversial. I don't know that that's a you necessarily need to make that move at running back. I think you just kind of wait it out and see what happens. But Roman Wilson would be a huge one. I think someone at tackle to have at least one of those tackles back heading to next year would be huge. Starting over from scratch would be. Uh, I won't say scary, but it would create some question marks. And then from there, I mean, Junior Colson, I think, is an obvious one, given that, you know, they are looking at linebackers in the portal. All of a sudden, if he leaves and you have Mike Mike Barrett gone, things get a little dicey there. So, yeah, it's uh, 
they don't quite have the plethora of guys that they had last year that decided to run it back. I think that was kind of a special circumstance, but uh, we'll see what happens. I do think uh, some people have asked, well, Zach Zinter now, he's got a fifth year, right? Zach Zinter is going to get healthy and go to the NFL draft. I think he said that already. I, I thought I saw that somewhere. That, that yeah, was something that Detroit was News. Yep. Yeah. So, again, I, I, the candidates aren't really as plentiful as they were last year, but the biggest one by far to me is J.J. McCarthy. And if it's not J.J., then it's going to be someone that's either in the portal or hasn't entered the portal yet because I do mm-hmm. think that Michigan is prepared to take care of whoever their starting quarterback is next year. Right. Yeah, that was almost him and Donovan too. I like I didn't mention them because I just feel like those are – those are going to be more about what the NFL says, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if JJ's told, hey, you're not going to be first half of the first round, then I think yeah. you know he understands that he could come back. But do I think money is going to be the reason why? I think, again, it would just be a nice cushion knowing that that would be there. Um, right. you know, Donovan maybe a little bit more just, just because I don't know what his stock is right now. Um, and that you could say, hey, Make I don't, I don't even know what how much it would be, but you know a few hundred thousand or something like that. It's still good money, and then be potentially the featured back here. I don't think they'd make any promise, but I just think there's there's more there because he hasn't been a featured guy, and I'm not quite sure what his stock is yet. But um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But, but there are a lot uh, of guys that could be on that. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about with that COVID year with guys like McGregor, Harrell. I mean, those would be important, and the tackles would be important. And those are huge too. Yeah. Like, I didn't so, even think about the edge guys. Yeah. Um, and you still got some good ones waiting in the wings too, like and the guys that are already contributing. But um right. Wildy 20 says, assuming Michigan beats Bama, who do you want to play out of UT and Washington? Which one is the tougher matchup? I would rather play Washington. I just think they're less of a complete team. When I watch Texas. It is okay. They're very good at the line of scrimmage, especially with that D line. And they've got some weapons on offense. Sanders at tight end, Xavier Worthy at uh, wide receiver. Quinn Ewers is a, a very good quarterback. Like to me, Texas feels like a, a complete enough team where they could win this thing if if they get past, um, you know, not ruling out a Washington national championship. But I just feel like Washington is a little bit less of a complete team than than Texas. I would agree with that, and I'll take it a step further. And again, I, I haven't landed on a game prediction for the Rose Bowl yet. A lot of work to still do before that, but the gut feeling that I can't shake is that I do think the national champion is coming out of that football game. Um, but it is Washington. You know, the thing I'll say about Michael Penix is that as, as good as he is, and we were, you know, we had discussed this last weekend. When we were watching the game. His throwing motion is so long; it's not. It's not as snappy as some of those other guys. And I just think if Michigan's, you know, if you play Washington and your pass rush is able to get there, I don't know that that guy can get the ball out quick enough. And he has some tremendous, you know, obvious, obviously some tremendous weapons to get it to. But I just feel like te- Texas, you know, a team that's transitioning into the SEC starting next year, I feel like they're, to me, they're, they're the closest thing to looking like obviously an SEC team. They're, they seem like they're ready for that transition, right? So to me, I do think the tougher of the two teams would be Texas. Counter argument to the Michael Penix thing, Kalen DeBoer. I think he's a great, great coach and great offensive mind. I think yeah. he's going to be able to get them to move the football 
even though they do, they're adding a disadvantage in the trenches, and they they will be against Texas, they will be against Michigan or Alabama. Um, yeah. But when you do have an element, like there is something to it, and this is why I thought Maryland could could stay in the game against Michigan coming into the year, and that I didn't I didn't predict it to be close at the time. But when you kind of just look back, sit back and look at a team. Like Washington's going to be an under. They already are an underdog to Texas. They would be an underdog in the national championship game. But when you have a passing attack that's dangerous, it gives you a chance. It's like a three, you know, a team that can shoot threes in the tournament. It just gives you yeah. that chance, that element that if they do create those big plays, like they're they're going to beat you. And I, I have no issue saying that I think Penix is the he's the best quarterback in this field. Um, I won't say it's by far, but when you have the best quarterback and quarterback plays so often determine, it's going to determine what happens in the Rose bowl. I agree. Right? Plays better. JJ McCarthy, Jalen Milrow. But um, you know, at this time of year in this 14 playoff, those quarterbacks that rise up, rise above, that's, that's the separator. And I think you can make the argument that despite how Washington might match up with everyone else, they might just, they might just have the best college football player, in this entire field. So it's going to be, I think this playoff is going to be awesome. Sugar bowl is going to be awesome. Um, We'll see the, the lens by which we're viewing it uh, after the Rose bowl. But I think this playoff is going to be so much fun. It's going to be great. Um, Also interesting. All three other quarterbacks other than JJ McCarthy are transfer quarterbacks. Hmm. There was a time when everyone was like, you know, ragging on Jim Harbaugh in Michigan being like, they can't, you know, they can't develop their own guy. They keep bringing all of these transfer quarterbacks, but no one gives them credit anymore for developing, finding and developing JJ McCarthy. The The game has changed certainly. Um, but this kind of leads us in if you have comment on that. And then our next question kind of ties into, but yeah. Uh, something interesting I saw was that I think from the class of 2021 of the top, I don't remember what the exact number was. Maybe it was the top eight, top 10 guys. McCarthy's the only one of those guys that's still at the school he committed to. So that's, that just kind of goes to show the validity, you know, the fluidity of all of this as well. So, and then maybe, maybe this is probably our last question, Clayton. I agree. Um, Viva Las Vegas says, would it really be productive to have JJ, Jaden Davis and Dante Moore in the QB room next season. It feels like that's a portal transfer waiting to happen for next season, especially if Underwood or another high-profile QB commits to Michigan in the 2025 class. I think it would be productive, and I think you have to start shifting your mindset a little bit when you look at this, especially at quarterback. There is going to be a guy that leaves probably at some point. Um, There are going to be departures. There are going to be additions. But you want to build it as as best you can, create competition, and understand that the best guy is going to win. I think, I mean, we just talked about it. There are guys moving around at quarterback all over the place. Dylan Gabriel is the starter for a good Oklahoma team, transfers to Oregon this year. Like, there are guys leaving good situations, if not great situations, let alone, you know, guys that maybe don't feel like they're getting the playing time they deserve. So that's just going to happen either way. And... You can't guarantee these guys are going to stick around, so you got to cover your bases and bring in as much talent as possible. That's how I, I will quote. I will quote uh, Mike Tomlin on the topic of uh, having too many good quarterbacks in the room. We do not care. Like, okay, fine. Someone transfers, fine. Because when did he say that? Because they they don't. <laughs> well, 
It wasn't. Uh, I was saying. I'm saying it in reference to having too many good quarterbacks. The Steelers. Oh, I got you. Uh, I, got you. I, I, I watched them start Mitch Trubisky over the weekend. So that's. Uh, I got you. Obviously, got they you. do not have that issue, but I do not care um, if it's JJ McCarthy, if it's Dante Moore, Jaden Davis. Uh, it all sort of self out. It's you know. I don't think the Cade JJ thing. I think proved that there was there was no politics involved. This was the best player winning the job and the other guy choosing to move on. That's going to happen. And when you're a team, you know, it's just, it goes back to bringing it for full circle with the CJ Stokes thing. When you have good players and you have good competition, some guys aren't going to play and they're going to go play somewhere else. You just have to make sure you develop the guys that do stick around. And I think that Michigan has, so that's not something I'm worried about at all. Like you just need to have, you know, that's a very different quarterback room than, having Wilton Spate with a broken back, John O'Corn, a freshman, Brandon Peters, like that's just galaxies beyond what that was. So that's a, that you just deal with that for sure. Can we do one more? Yeah. J.O. Blue 87 says our pancakes considered dessert or breakfast food. This confuses me. I, I don't know how, I mean, maybe I was just, I don't know if something different part of the country or whatever, but it's breakfast food. I mean, Dessert. I mean, you could eat it as dessert, and like I've had it late night sometimes. But are you kidding me? It's I can't even wrong? compute it being dessert. I've okay. never I've never craved a pancake for dessert. Um, I've had crepes for dessert before, but pancakes. Say you you breakfast. like crepes. I do like crepes. I'll say it. I don't get my arm broken okay. for saying that. So okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I've. Uh, you can certainly. I was at a hotel over the weekend where they had a. Again, this is a. This goes into waffles, and we're off the rails now. But the waffle bar had like crushed Oreo pieces, like chocolate sauce, and like now once you get into that realm, you kind of start talking about dessert. But yeah, you know, stack of pancakes. I remember when I was a kid, um, we did we had some kind of like kids meet and greet with Grant Hill, and this may have been the start of my journalism career. By the way, I raised my hand and at you know. It's a Q&A, and I raised my hand, and I asked what he ate for breakfast every morning. And Grant Hill said he started every morning with a giant stack of pancakes. So wow! if Grant Hill said it, I'm sticking to it. There you go. I love it. So, well, that's a good place. to Pancake talk is a good place to end today. Uh, Clayton, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, to our, our listeners, our followers, for sticking with us uh, throughout the hour. Uh, thanks for the great questions. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, like this video, subscribe to the channel. I think it's, I saw a stat the other day that 85% of the people who watch YouTube videos don't subscribe to a channel. Don't be that guy. Don't be, you know, you want to be part of the cool kids club, the people that do subscribe. So do that for us. You can also use that promo code UM1 to get premium access over at the Wolverine.com. Uh, $1 will get you two months of access and there's a lot of it behind the scenes. So, uh, be sure to do. And that gets you on the message board to ask us questions as well. So uh, appreciate that. Uh, you can obviously get us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're here on YouTube. Have the post up on the site as well with the video player. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Clayton, for your time. Thank you, Michigan fans. And we will talk to you again next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.